Hello, team, and welcome to Bureaucracy. I am your host, Emily Gross. I am so excited today. I know it's been a while since we've done one of these. I'm so excited to be back in action, and I have a wonderful guest with me. Please welcome Miles Coleman. He's the associate editor at Sabato's Crystal Ball, and we are going to be doing a deep dive into the polls and the midterms because the world's kind of falling apart, and so there's a lot to unpack and see what's going on. So I'm very happy to have you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. So first of all, I, you don't drink, which is, we support that, but I, I do. Um, and so I got to save the Robots East Coast IPA. I liked it because I feel like this will probably be a campaign slogan at some point. <laughs> yeah, I see that. You know, mm-hmm. we're not too far off. No, no. And uh, I'm having a Diet Coke. Because this has gotten me through many long election nights. So Just, you know it's I yeah. trust it, so I'm sticking with it. We have different IV drips, you know, but same <laughs> same idea. All right. We're in action. Oh, that's good. All right. All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and then why we should trust you? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so at Sabato's Crystal Ball, uh, you know, we go around the country and we handicap elections. Uh, you know, why should y'all trust us? Well, um, we, um, like a lot of other forecasters in 2016, uh, we had Hillary Clinton winning big, uh, you know, that didn't end up being that, that, that case. Uh, that was, uh, I will say though, that was before they hired me. So, uh, <laughs> but something we were very proud of, uh, is in 2020, uh, we got 49 out of 50 States. Correct. When we put out wow. our prediction. Okay. Um, and it was funny, uh, because I'm originally from new, new Orleans, Louisiana, but I was raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. My parents still live there, but all my extended family is still in, right. uh, new Orleans. So usually for Christmas, um, uh, we do, you know, we all fly down to new Orleans, but with COVID, uh, you know, we wanted to have a little smaller. So, uh, the only state we got wrong in 2020 was North Carolina. Um, funny. and so I just, you know, I just drove down to Charlotte to have Christmas with my parents. And I'm like, oh, you know, my joke that year was, you know, oh, wonderful. I get to spend Christmas in the one state I got wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you didn't hear then, the end of it for the holidays. Oh, no. And then what I'll also say is we were the, uh, what you'll see around this time with some of the other forecasters um, is you know, if the race is very close, a lot of forecasters will end up just calling a toss up and that's it. Right. Well, on, on Monday, what we're going to do um, is we move all of our toss ups to one direction or the other. So we actually try to pick okay. winners in every race. Uh, you know, sometimes that hurts us. Sometimes that pays off. Right. One, ca- one case where it paid off um, was in last year. We were the only forecast, only, only major forecaster uh, who had Glenn Youngkin uh, win in the election in Virginia. So, you know, I guess we at least know our home state well. <laughs> right. You know your home state well. Ugh, unfortunate for that one, but good job on getting it correct. <laughs> Let's dive in. This is an insane, I feel like this is a crazy midterm election. Obviously, I feel like it's getting so much more press than general midterm elections because yes like election integrity is all on the line you know and civil war and all the other fun things that happen when democracy starts to fall so let's first dive into the senate what are some of the key races that people should keep on the lookout for and what are these polls saying 
Sure. Uh, so probably the biggest uh, one that we hear most about is Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, we've had that as um, um, as leaning towards John Fetterman, who's the lieutenant governor there, who's the Democrat, against Dr. Oz, uh, the famous tele television doctor. You know, I know this is yes. a race that the Republicans you know, Oz is probably, you know, one, one of the themes of this year is Republicans have gone with some riskier candidates in a lot of these races. Oz very much falls under, on, under that category. I think had Republicans gone with someone else in that primary, they'd be looking better here. Oz has, uh, you know, it's a fascinating race because what's um, interesting about Lieutenant Governor Fetterman uh, is as you know, I'm sure we've heard about, he had a stroke in May, and that right. is still uh, somewhat impairing him, though, you know, you can tell he's improving. Uh, but Oz has just had very high unfavorables, but it could be a case where the national environment is just so re Republican, it ends up carrying him over the line at the end. Um, you know, that, that that's one. Uh, you know, another is Georgia, uh, where you have Raphael Warnock, um, going against Herschel, Herschel Walker, Walker. uh-huh which uh, the fact that that's a toss-up is upsetting um, yeah yeah it's very very upsetting I mean just going um, with the kind of lean of the, the a year you know that's you know yeah. I think if this was if this was 2018 or 2020 he, uh, Warnock would be in stronger shape uh, one that we're seeing a lot uh, of in recent days is Nevada out, out west. Um, mm -hmm. And then what I would be interested in watching is, you know, there's always, I feel like every Senate cycle, there's like a who to thunk it race. Uh, right. you know, and in, in, in 2014, that was our home state of Virginia, where, um, where Mark Warner was almost upset. Um, in 2020, it was Maine with Senator Susan Collins hold, holding on. Uh, you know, this yeah. year it's going to be clinging on. Interesting, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we will be watching out for that race. Interesting. And then there's also uh, New Hampshire, right? Yes. Um, that's up. That's kind of a toss up as well. Um, it's Maggie Haston and Dumbledore. Doug Bolt. Yeah. Who's listen? You got how many of these candidates are election deniers? Do you have the statistic? Because it's a lot. Yeah, I think 538 or someone did some piece on that. But yeah, it is. Well, what's funny is that, you know, a lot of these candidates, Bull Bulldog being an example, the primary electorate and the general electorate are different beasts, you know, because right. Bulldog in his Republican primary, uh, well, I have no doubt the 2020 election was stolen. Trump won right. stuff to that effect as soon as he wins the nomination. Uh, well, you know, I've had a change of heart. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't think he really like went to therapy and thought about it. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh -uh. So based on what Sabato's crystal ball is thinking right now, where do we think the Senate is going to land? You know, I think probably the Republicans get them a majority. It's probably not going to be a huge majority, but, you know, just... Most of the seats we've been talking about, you know, New Hampshire, Georgia, Nevada, they're seats that Democrats are defending. And, right. you know, they, in some of these are on a bit shakier ground now than they were even a month ago. So it's, it's uh, right. you know, probably a majority for the Republicans, but it's not going to be, um, you know, it may not, it may just be a few seats. 
well, fuck. <laughs> that's my that's my two cents on that. And so, which ones do you think are going to switch? So, I would look at probably the best Republican pickup opportunity is Nevada. Uh, you know, one thing we've really seen a lot of as 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 we looked at some kind of political trends across the, the country um, yeah. is that whether or not you have a college education is becoming as big of a marker of people of people's voting habits as stuff like race mm-hmm. or gender has been in previous years point being nevada is unlike a lot of democratic leaning states in that it's very it has more of a working class blue collar flavor uh which i think probably it's a little goes, las vegas in there it's right well, <laughs> right yeah because that's a big part of it is you know a lot a, right. a lot of the uh, workers there work in tourism or the c- c- casinos right. you know that's just been a block that's gone republican i think the opposite of that would be i think if maggie hassan ends up pulling it out one reason for that because is do Hampshire in a lot of ways is the opposite of none of that. It's more college educated. It's more secular. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, so it's, it's, uh, uh, we try to look at those dynamics as well. You know, I think the Republicans have, uh, uh, have some chance of picking up Georgia, you know, that this could be the, the second Senate cycle in a row where control of the whole chamber goes through a runoff in Georgia. Sure. That's crazy. So let's, I really want to dive into Georgia for a second. Do you, what are the numbers showing? Do you have stats? uh, Off the top of my head, the 538 average has Warnock up about a point or so, but he's. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's at like 45, 46 or so. So, I mean, if you take the the polls at face value, it's probably going to go to a runoff. Wow. Okay. That's insane. Yeah. That is, I mean, I saw like an ABC News anchor on The View the other day, and he was asked the question of, do Republican voters <laughs> care that Herschel, without reasonable doubt, paid for two abortions? And they're like, no, they just care that he's a Republican candidate. Which, yeah. well, mm-hmm. you know, the fuck? Yeah. I get it, but what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, you know, that's something we're seeing, you know, is we hear yeah. a lot about candidate quality you know i think you know that's something we're you know i think governor's races for example probably matter a bit more in terms of right because if you're the governor of a state you stay there the people have to like you to some extent whereas if right. you're a senator they're just going to send you off to, to uh, washington dc and vote the party line so you know it it's definitely becoming, you know, whether you have a D or R behind your name is really driving a lot of these Senate races these that's days. Right. Wow. I think that's unfortunate because it's so interesting because when you just take like Democratic concepts, they vote much higher than Republican concepts. But the minute you put a Republican or a Democrat against those ideals, yes. it changes everything. Oh, yeah. Well, um, you know, one yeah. one of the, the good early examples of that was. Uh, you know, especially recently, I've been getting some flashbacks to uh, 2014, which was the last time Republicans took the Senate. Uh, well, you right. had in in the uh, state of Arkansas, uh, you actually had a competitive race there. This is the one that, that Tom Cotton ended up winning. But even as Tom Cotton won by 16, 17 points, they were voting on a minimum wage 
measure in Arkansas, and it passed overwhelmingly. So it's like, okay, do people like democratic ideas, just not dem- democratic candidates? So <laughs> something's not aligning, you know, which just it's like a square peg, you know, in a round hole. <laughs> You're like, it could fit, but something's not working. <laughs> yeah. Two other big races with two in the Senate, um, Marco Rubio and Mike Lee. Yes. Okay. So how are they doing? Because Mike Lee is doing a fascinating race. He's against an independent. Yes. And that I think is fascinating. And that is something that people did not expect to be anywhere near close. Yes. So let's dive into them. Okay. So I would say Florida, you know, I'll, I'll uh, start there. You know, I don't think the Democrats have a bad candidate with Val Demings, but yeah. Florida's just become a very hard state for, for, for them recently. You know, one, right. I was talking earlier about how, you know, we put out, in our prediction in 2020, uh, we got Florida right. Most of the polls had it pointing to Democrats, but interesting. We, uh, you know, we've been been watching Florida this whole last decade, and you yeah. know, except for like when Obama was on the ticket in 2012, just the Democrats have been up there, but they've gotten burned on on election day, and we're just right. like, well, you know what? Even though polls have <laughs> bought up three five points in Florida. We don't trust it. So uh, we had it go, 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 go to Trump and that's what happened. Yeah. Rubio is probably going to be okay. Utah, I think is an interesting race because you have Mike Lee yeah. who's running against Evan McMullen. Um, and I think Mc, McMullen is probably, you know, he may not win, but he may at least keep it close. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think he has a few things work working in his favor. Um, first of all, it's interesting, interesting because Mike Lee actually voted for McMullen in the 2016 election over Donald Trump. Um, Interesting. And we're talking about like how Abrams like wants to be president or like that's the perception. Right. There's a little bit of that di- dynamic with Mike Lee. Um, you know, he it's, it's sort of an open secret that he wants to be a, on the Supreme court at some point. Uh, Mike so, Lee does. Yes. Yes. Uh um because no (laughs) well that's what that's what i hear uh but i think it's maybe rubbed a lot of people the wrong way where in 2016 lee was very anti-trump but as soon as trump got into office he started being more pro-trump um and then utah utah you have a lot of mitt romney type republicans there um and i think it's interesting that romney hasn't endorsed lee so right I, and that's interested. been very prominent yes yes i'd be interested right. to see like if romney's non-endorsement ends up being like an ends up being enough of a green light to those type of republicans okay you know you don't have to back the republican fascinating oh, okay i love all this stuff it's like there's so many intricacies um, oh, yeah. Anyone who says otherwise, politics is basically just like dealing with mean girls in like the third grade. It's like it's the same dynamics, guys. Absolute same. I think dynamics. there's something to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh my god. Okay. And so then, what is Pennsylvania saying? Because ever since John Fetterman came out, so we all knew he had a stroke in May, but what recently came out is the fact that he does need help with auditory processing, and that's been a huge part of the campaign now. Do you know how his favorability changed since that came out so i would say backing up a little bit um yeah. 
what what was you know he was up fairly comfortably in the summer you know there were some mm-hmm. polls where he was up you know 12 15 points over Oz right. and you know we never really bought those polls you know just because mm-hmm. Pennsylvania is always such a close state um right. but what what really in the last month or so the republicans have really been hitting him him on crime and the mm-hmm. effect of that was going into that debate, you know, it was last week, but it seems like it was weeks ago at this point, right? Uh, right. So Fetterman's favorables are roughly 50-50, um, whereas Oz is, you know, if, you know, if one reason Fetterman ends up pulling this off, you know, Oz's favorables have just been, unfavorables have always been 50% or more. So uh, we've had some polling that's come out since the debate. I think there were a few pollsters. Uh, I don't know which one's off the top of my head, but you know, maybe a little movement in Oz's favor, but not too much. Uh, okay. So, and, you know, I think that's, you know, one, one of the sort of broader discussions we've had this year uh, is debates have just been, on their way out it seems like you know if we you know in a race like pennsylvania you know we were lucky to just get one debate and i don't think they've had any in a state like nevada so it's it's and i think part of that is candidates you know as we maybe saw with john fetterman is they just don't see much upside to go going out there and talking to their opponent right I mean, and on that, and we're going to go, we're going to, based on this conversation flow, we're going to do Senate, Governor, and then House, because talking about candidates not wanting to talk, let's talk about Arizona with Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake, because that has been what I feel has been backfiring against Katie Hobbs tremendously. And Katie Hobbs is the Democratic candidate, right? And she said she doesn't want to debate Carrie Lake because she doesn't want to give her another platform, more of a platform to spew bullshit, right? So <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? And is not debating bad? Is debating bad? You know, but then also there's so many studies that show like debates don't actually really change the minds of voters, you know? Yeah, it's it's I saw a good tweet like the night uh you know as as I was watching the Pennsylvania debate and it looked like it was going bad for Fetterman someone had a tweet Fetterman and Hobbs need to uh change campaign advisors you know it's Hobbs is the one who does need to debate or it's Fetterman is is the one who doesn't uh yeah. so you know yeah I think that's really backfired especially against someone like Lake I mean who okay I mean, well if I mean, if her ideas are so crazy, go out and, you know, and show us why they're crazy. So it's, it's, uh, but, you know, I do think there is something to that. It's just, you know, so much of the vote now is baked in, right? Right. Um, yeah, it's been sort of an unfortunate trend, but, you know, it, it's just, well, it was funny. I was talking with a reporter maybe a few weeks ago just about the lack of the uh, basis here. And I'm like, well, just going back throughout this past decade and thinking about the ones that are memorable, it's always the time when someone screws up. It's never, you know, like if yeah. you have a good one, that's like the standard. But if you screw up, you know, it's going to get played against you. Right. Absolutely. I mean, like you always remember the bad stuff. You don't remember the good stuff, you know? Yeah. It's like, how can you get good, bad press? <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> that should be like every candidate's campaign strategy. It's like, we want to be generally good, but we need to do like one or two fuck shit things so that they kind of know us. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, one thing that, um, 
you know, for as much criticism as Fetterman has been getting for, you know, staying in the race after a stroke, you know, some things, you know, one thing I think the best angle to play that as, which I think he is, is, well, you know, bad medical stuff happens to everyone. So makes him seem relatable. Absolutely. Since on topic of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is a big one. Pennsylvania was massive in the 2020 election and has really the decision-making power of where the country goes. Let's talk about the governor. So there's currently, it's Josh Shapiro and Doug Mastriano. And so what's very interesting about Pennsylvania is that the governor appoints the Secretary of State. And the Secretary of State is the one that decides like the election. And that can come into the presidential election, right? Yes. And Doug Mastriano has said a lot of things and has done a lot of things that uh, make him not great. And that I'm being nice by saying, by being he's transphobic, homophobic, anti the like 2020 election, like bada bing, bada boom. Right. What is the governor race looking like? So, you know, that unlike the Senate race, I don't think the governor's race is going to be that much of a contest. Uh, okay. I think Josh Shapiro, in fact, there there was a poll out this morning. I think it was from Emerson University. They had Oz either tied or up ahead, but they had Shapiro up like nine or something. So, oh, uh, huge. Yes. Great. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, okay. you know, one thing I've been saying is, you know, these, these, races don't happen in a vacuum. They happen with other races. Right. So if mm. Fetterman ends up pulling it out, one reason may be that Josh Shapiro has such a strong showing that it you know helps other Democrats. Oh, interesting. So like they're there to vote for him, but they might as well fill in the other. Right. Yes, exactly. Okay. Interesting. That's really interesting. So let's go back to Arizona. So what are the polls showing there? So it's, it's both of those races are very close, honestly. Uh, okay. You know, even as 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 much criticism Hobbs has gotten for not debating Lake, uh, the race is still they're both trading leads. You know, I think one difference there is it's kind of funny because at least from what they've said publicly, Lake there's not much difference between Lake and Mastriano. Uh, but mm. I think in politics, perception is a lot. Right. I mean, Lake is telegenic as hell, you know. Oh, yeah. Unless you're, you know, I get the sense that like with someone like Mastriano, unless you're really into what he's selling, it's going to be hard to get behind him. You know, Lake, not so much. Right. Uh, But Arizona, you know, we have other than the governor's race, we have Senator Mark Kelly, who's up for Uh, reelection. He looks like a little bit of a favorite this time. You know, I think. I think honestly, his biography as an astronaut, you know, that kind of helps him. You know, his That's wife. Cool. Everyone Debbie, wanted to be an astronaut growing up. How could you not like an astronaut? Right. Well, it's funny because <laughs> in his uh, in his 2020 race, uh, when he beat Martha McSally, you know, she was yeah. a. She had a pretty badass job too as a fighter pilot. So it's like that's not a bad choice to have a fighter so pilot cool. and an astronaut. <laughs> well, That's well, so it's. Cool. Uh, it's we did funny the, we that did the astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I guess the astronaut was a little cooler. Okay. Now let's transition to Georgia. Georgia and Texas, I think they're the other two big governor races that are going on. They're getting a lot of national press. And if you have another one that you can think of that's also very important going on, please list it. I mean, there's like okay. Wisconsin and Michigan. Those are big mm-hmm. too. But 
Stacey Abrams and uh, Kemp. What are the polls saying? So we, unlike the Senate race, which may go to a runoff, uh, Governor Kemp is in a pretty strong position to win outright. You know, Abrams, I think, I think it probably hurts her that she's become such a national figure. It's like, okay, well, yeah. you know, this is something that that the uh, Kemp people have said is, you know, okay, well, is she more interested in being governor, or being or just using this as a stepping stone to be president? Um, and I think what's say a difference between Governor Kemp and Herschel Walker, Kemp is very much free of his association with Donald Trump because Kemp mm-hmm. has gone against Trump when 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 it came to the election count or the senators right. he appointed. So uh, I think Kemp, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, he's seen as more moderate or more, you know, in these states like Georgia. You have a lot of Repu- you have a lot of voters in uh, wealthier suburban areas who used to be Republican, vote Democratic now, but are still open to a Republican who's you know not a Trump. And I think Kemp sort of fits that bill. He's like slid in there, you know. Yes, yes, exactly. And you know, basically, same story with. Uh, with uh, Texas, although though Abbott, I think, is perceived to be a little more conservative than Brian Kemp. Yeah. Now, I think Abrams and O'Rourke, you know, it's just they're really struggling to capture some some of the magic they had in 2018. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting you said about Kemp asking, like, posing the question of, like, do you want this to actually be the governor or do you want to, like, move on to president? And I know that's the same issue with Beto O'Rourke is that he's been he's ran so many times and has unfortunately lost so many times. And people are like, give up and do something else. And they're like, why do you want to be in the national spotlight so much? Which I think is a very fair point. Um, And it's so interesting to know that like people in like a home state don't actually love the candidate as much as like the national work like environment does. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, So yeah. So what is, so what's the Texas poll saying for governor? Texas, uh, we have it rated as likely Republican. Um, I think the, off the top of my head, the average is, you know, it's maybe at least within single digits. So uh, you okay. know, they, it may be an eight or nine point. But it could be, uh, mm-hmm. actually what I was told is it could be at least the uh, mm-hmm. closest governor race there since 1994 when George W. Bush won. Uh, so, wow, okay. You know not looking great for beto but at least he'll be able to be like closest one yet (laughs) right yeah i mean he'll he'll, uh you know you know he may be able to uh kind of beat the spread (laughs) okay yeah hopefully my god um but then he will he'll he will run out of things to run for you know governor president senate yeah Yeah. all right his bingo's not looking too good any other big governor races so i would say um Two of the ones that we're having a hard time picking, uh, mm-hmm. because on Monday we're going to have to pick a winner in every contest for our pred- pred- right. prediction. Are right, not states that you would normally think that would have close races. One mm-hmm. is the state of Kansas. Uh, they have interesting. Even though we think of Kansas as a Republican state, they have a Democratic governor, Laura Kelly, um, and part of that was that. But before she was in office, they had Sam Brownback, who basically under Brownback, the Republicans screwed up the state so badly that they elected a Democrat. Uh, and she's trying to bring up those memories. OK, well, if you don't re-elect re- me, this is what we're going to go, go, go back to. Uh, we have that race as a toss up. 
And then sort of the opposite of Kansas um, is Oregon. Uh, that's a state that, you know, normally votes Democratic. Uh, Oregon has had, I think other than, than Washington State, Oregon has had the longest streak of only electing Democratic gov governors. Uh, the Democrats have won every governor race there since 1986. Uh, but one thing I found is all of those trends, all of those streaks end at some point. Uh, you know, they, there's an interesting three-way race there where there's a there's a Democrat, a Republican, and a third party who's an ex-Democrat who may take Democratic votes. Uh, and then you have Kate Brown, who's the incumbent Democratic governor there. You know, one thing that affects these governor races so sometimes is, you know, how is the incumbent? Um, you right. know, well, uh, Kate Brown is one of the most unpopular governors in the country. So, if, if why if is she Republican, so popular? Uh, I think there was, I think rightfully or wrongfully, she's seen as sort of a a governor from Portland and not from the rest of the state. Uh, so there's a bit of you that. Mean Oregon is more than Portland. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and then I think she was sort of uh, Oregon was one of the strictest states. I think when it came to the lockdown. So I think there's a lot of. Uh, that's still there. So I find so fascinating the dialogue and how angry people are about lockdowns from COVID. Um, Cause that's come up a lot in the governor race in Michigan. Cause I watched the debate between uh, yes. Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon. And I mean, people are still furious by it, which I, it's mind boggling to me. I'm like, they're like, what didn't you know? Like things were different. Like, why does information keep changing? And I was like, because it was a mass pandemic that no one had ever seen before. Yeah. You know, and I was like, they try to shut things down for your safety so you wouldn't die. And they're like, but I wanted to die on my own accord, you know? And it just it makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have uh, uh, that's my rant. Sorry. Oh well, no, I mean I uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now we have Whitmer as a favorite. Uh, you know, she's probably going to pull it out next week. But yeah, yeah, I definitely that was definitely, you know, she, she was really uh, sort of one one of the, the national faces of the, the pandemic in the, the summer of yeah. 20 of 2020. Um, you know, big Gretch, right? <laughs> right. Literally. True. Okay. Let's move on to the house now. What are we thinking about the house? So the House is going to go Republican. It's only a question of how much of a majority the, the Republicans have. Uh, really? You know, right now okay. the Democrats have you know so like a majority is two hundred eighteen. Um, right. You know the Republicans as it is now are, are at like two twelve or two thirteen. So they ne only need a very small gain. Small majority. Um, right. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with two, 230 or more seats next week. So really? it's, it's, okay. uh, you know, that's one thing about the bow, house bow, bow. Be, because it's, uh, because the house is up every two years as opposed to the Senate, which is more staggered. The house right. tends to be the, the body that's more responsive to waves. Uh, so, you right. know, yes, saw a bit, a bit of that. So the framers in 20, intended. So. 2018. It's, right. Exactly. So, you know, that's just how it is. Right. You know, even though, you know, even though if the Democrats lose the House this year, you know, they could very much win, win it back in two more years. So you're anticipating that it will be a Republican Senate and House? Yes, yes. Okay. 
Bam, bam, bam. Get your drinks out now, folks. Uh, yeah, here's what it is. All right. So that's a freaking bummer. How many do you think the Senate is going to go Republican by? Like, what do you think the breakdown is going to be? I wouldn't be surprised if the Republicans get yeah, 51 or 52 seats. I mean, not a huge majority, but uh, but enough. <laughs> All right, let me just go stick my head in the oven. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I guess there's nothing else to say besides still go vote. Maybe you can do a little switcheroo, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 uh, anything is possible. I mean, that's what we, yeah, I mean, that's what we encourage people. You know, that's, you know, we're, we're very big on civic education, you know, go exercise right. your right to, to vote. Right. Oh, any other big? Re- oh, any? How's Marjorie Taylor Greene doing? She's still kicking. Oh, she's. Oh, she's going. I'm going. I'm going to win a landslide. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah, it's so she's, upsetting. Yeah, uh, it it is. Uh, but it is what it is. I'd prefer a robot in office than her. I'll be honest. Yeah. I would prefer any type of robot. A dog robot. I think a dog robot could be better <laughs> at like policy and be a better person. But I think you're right. Any hopes? <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> uh, any other races or anything else you would like to tell the listeners? Sort of looking ahead to election night uh, yeah. to maybe get a good feel for it. You know, watch the state of Virginia. You know, my, not to be selfish and tout my home state, yeah. but you know, we we have a few con- con- congressional races here, specifically districts uh, two, seven, and ten. Uh, mm-hmm. These would be Elaine Loria, Abigail Spanberger, and Jan Jennifer Wexton. Republicans can beat only Elaine Loria in District 2. That's sort of like the bare minimum type of seat mm-hmm. that they would need to get a majority. If they can beat Abigail Spanberger, uh, who is is in a bit more of a Democratic-leaning district, they're probably going to have um, um, a majority of 230 seats or maybe more. Uh, if they can beat Jennifer Wexton, who has the most Democratic of those seats, they're going to have a, probably their biggest majority since World War II. So, you know, just a little bit of historical context. Okay. That's good to know. Thank you. So, Miles, not shooting the messenger. We don't hate you. We just hate the information you're giving us. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> But I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and giving the debrief and for doing all the work that you've been doing and appreciate it all tremendously. So thank you. Oh, sure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, this is Bureaucracy. I'm your host, Emily Gross, and I'll be back next week. Have a good one, guys.